are Locked On Brewers, your daily Milwaukee Brewers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Brewers, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, where we talk about your favorite teams every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani, and you can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also joining me is my co-host, Vinny Rotino. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Rotino. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Brewers and subscribe to the Locked On Brewers podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Today, we're going to do a recap of Tuesday's game, breaking that down. Also going to get into some interesting news items involving Aaron Ashby and Keston Hira that I want to talk about, uh, and then we'll preview the upcoming game on Wednesday as well. Before we do that, let me remind you, this episode is brought to you by a locker room. Download the app and join me at Shortstop Ball the next time I go live to get in on the action. A locker room changing the way we talk sports. Uh, so then I'm going to switch up a little bit this time and do news in the next segment and start out with the recap. Um, again, a 5-1 win for the Brewers over the Reds on Tuesday. We talked about you know this being a, a very difficult series. Um, for the Brewers, I thought, with the way the Reds have been playing lately and you know facing two of their best starters. So certainly good to get out with a win to start off the series. However, we'll have to admit here that Sonny Gray leaving after three innings uh, was a huge benefit for the Brewers in this one. Sonny Gray was looking pretty good early on, had some traffic in the first inning, but after that really settled down. He had five innings or had five strikeouts in those three innings. So uh, I mean, again, him going out of this game, that was a huge uh, boost for the Brewers and obviously uh, really unfortunate for the Reds who had to unload their bullpen in the first game of the series. Been... Yeah, sets up the series nice for the Brewers, for sure. Um, and then, you know, like we it's kind of been a story all year. They've just been hanging around, hanging around. Good, good start from Hauser. I know we'll probably get into all that. And then um, – just you know teams been able to keep every game close pretty much all year but now it seems as if the bats are starting to come alive a little bit and score some runs so that was the recipe for the win tonight which was a really good win for the start of the series yeah for a while there it looked like it was going to be exactly what we talked about three runs and just let the pitching staff do their thing Bruce did add on a couple more late to make it five to one um and yeah we'll go ahead and get into Hauser here five and a third five hits Three walks, one earned, four strikeouts. Uh, I mean, again, had traffic uh, as a guy like Hauser will from time to time just because of the type of pitcher he is. But, again, this was the key coming into the season uh, with Hauser is can he avoid those big innings and giving up, you know, crooked numbers. Uh, and he was able to navigate through that and really, you know, I thought pitched a pretty good game, gave up the one run in the second inning. Uh, Avi got that back in the fourth with a, a really good home run on a fastball down and in that he, he crushed out of there. But, yeah, Vinny, overall, Hauser, I thought this was a really good start for him. Uh, I wouldn't even call it a, a bounce back because he was really good in his last outing. It just happened to be in a relief role. Uh, but, obviously, the two starts before that was a little shaky. So, I thought this was a really good good start for Hauser against a very good lineup. Like I said, had some traffic, but was able to avoid the big inning. Actually, the third outing in a row where he's given up one run or less. Um, and it, it just, I mean, when the season started, I did the season preview show and we, and, and, and all these podcasts leading up 
to the season and even the beginning part of the season, we've been talking about Adrian Hauser's key is to learn how to not try and do too much, not try to make his stuff nastier than it needs to be. And there was a couple of duds in there, a couple of uh, four, four and five outings ago, four and five starts ago that he was kind of reverting back to old patterns and old habits of, of trying to do too much and, and really had a, had issues like getting through uh, some traffic and limiting the damage, but he got out of that. Right. So now we're seeing some consistency of him getting back to what has been working for him. And this is encouraging for me as I'm watching his body of work here from 2021 here, because it seems as if like he's getting out of that mindset, out of that other mode that doesn't work. It's inconsistent is what it is. It works sometimes, but now he's staying, staying present, just executing pitches, just like he's watching the other three horses at the top of the rotation. Adrian Hauser, to me, is kind of the key to the season. I got to be honest. Um, I've really been paying attention to him and how he's been going about it. And he's he feels like the key to the season for me. It's almost like, okay, we know what we're getting from the other three guys at the top. And you kind of know what you're getting from Brett Anderson, too. Mm-hmm. But Adrian Hauser is the wild card here that if he can continue to put up good starts like he just did tonight and that we saw a bunch from earlier in the season, a couple of hiccups in the middle, maybe a hiccup at the beginning as well. I, I believe there's one in there, but this is encouraging for the staff and uh, the pitching staff. If you can get Hauser to continue to do this, the pitching staff is really going to carry this team as they've already been doing, but even more so with, with four guys that are doing kind of really special stuff. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point by you, as typical from Finney Rutino. Um, exactly. <laughs> I think it is. I think it, Hauser is big. And again, he was, you know, one of, you know, like you talked about, one of our key players coming into the year. Uh, because, you again, you know what you're going to get from those big three, and they're going to keep you in the game almost every time out. But over the course of a regular season, having that fourth and fifth starter that you can depend on and to beat up on other teams, you know, fourth and fifth starters – that's going to be really key for this this team in order to win the Central. Now, when you get into the postseason, you know you're going to rely on those top three to get it done. Um, you know, Hauser would probably maybe get a start in there, and I think he would do fine, at least give you a chance to win. But out of the course of 162, you really need that full complement of, of a rotation in order to keep you in all games. And, you know, look, the top three are good in Peralta, Woodruff, and Burns, but – I, I think it would be a little naive to not think there might be some sort of regression for them as the season goes on, just because they've been, you know, historically great. And, you know, if they have a hiccup through the rotation one time, it's great to have somebody like Hauser that can back that up uh, in order to kind of stop the bleeding there. So, or with the three pitching the way they are, it's good to have somebody like Hauser to continue, um, continue that winning streak. So, yeah, I think he's a very key part of this rotation over the course of a regular season. Let's come finish talking about the rest of the pitching staff in this one. Uh, Suter, Boxberger, and Williams come in in relief of Hauser. Council really going forward in this one after taking the lead in the fifth. Um, they got the two runs late, which saved Council from having to use Josh Hader, which was big. Hobie, Mil- Hobie Milner got the uh, ninth inning instead. Uh, Vinny, I feel like we talked about this a lot, so you don't really want to belabor the point, but I think Boxberger's better than Devin Williams right now. Is that a hot take? I don't think that's too hot of a take. It's there's a little bit of a 
holding your breath element to when Devin Williams gets out there. Um, seems to be getting the job done. Um, a little bit of a cardiac kid um, in his own right. So, yeah, no, I mean, I'm good with that. I mean, Boxberger and Council talks about this all the time, how low his pulse is. Devin Williams shows flashes of that. He's still young. Um, I think he'll continue to get better with the pulse. He just seems like he gets a little bit – the game speeds up a little bit on him at times when his command isn't there. It just kind of snowballs on him. But his changeup so darn good that he's able to kind of rely on that to get himself out of innings most of the time. Two walks, so not, encur- not that encouraging. Um, but the three punchies, right? Yeah. three right yeah you get you get the yeah. good and the bad in this one i mean it's, yeah. it's just kind of all of it i just i do want to i do so i do agree with that i do like boxberger in the eighth hater in the ninth um there's just a little bit more liability um or, or just play the matchups we talked about that too like maybe devin williams is going to be better against three lefties coming up in the eighth type of thing um if you can kind of plan that out mm-hmm. as the game progresses um <clears throat> I do want to point out Obi Miller, um, not not a guy that's going to light the world on fire, but there's some reliability to what he does. Um, and there's you know, obviously some deception. The stuff's not going to overpower you, but there's some command there, and there's some low pulse to him as well. I, I do like that. I, I, um, it's not like he's going to be Angel Perdomo out there where you, you don't know if he's going to walk six. You know, um, there's going to be some ability to execute and make pitches and get out. So. Um, He's thrown nice two times in a row now, and um, we talked about this a lot. We need guys to step up in the middle innings. Um, don't have to even be great. They just have to get out, right? They have to be um, like uh, – sorry, uh, the guy with Texas, and he was with – oh, I'm going to kick myself. He was with Texas, and then the Brewers traded him over to the Bre- – sorry, the Rangers traded him to the Brewers. Oh, no, Claudio. Alex Claudio, there's a little bit of a, a Claudio element to him of just getting outs and taking the ball. So hopefully he, I'm not saying he's going to be as good as Claudio, but I'm saying if he can just get outs and council talks about out getters all the time, um, there could be a, a, a role for him in the middle, even in leverage spots. So, yeah, no, good, good point there. I mean, Brewers are looking for, for anybody to kind of fill those uh, low leverage innings right there. Uh, and just, you know, do what they're supposed to do and get outs, like you said. Uh, so certainly be good if Milner can step up and be that. Let's shift over to the offense real quick because, uh, look, they, they weren't great in this one, but as we keep talking about, they don't have to be great. They just have to score three three to five runs, and that's what they did in this one, and, and it was enough for the win. Uh, I mean, look, when you get seven hits and nine walks in a game, you kind of hope to score more than five runs. Um you know, obviously the two in the ninth kind of helped that uh, up to that point. You know, just just the three seemed like they should have had a lot more than that. But uh, still, I mean, uh, they got plenty of runners on base. That's certainly great. Uh, we'll love to see them come through with some some more big hits there. I thought the home run from Avisel Garcia was, uh, I mean, just a beautiful swing. He crushed it. Uh, Travis Shaw got the big hit that he desperately needed in the ninth to pad the lead there. Uh, the two RBI single that he got or double that he got, that was huge. Again, it kind of saves Hater having to use him. Um, but overall, thought it was a, a solid game for the offense. Um, Yelich had a had a double play that, that brought in a run. Uh, he went over four in this one, 
averages down to 236. Uh, I don't know. I hate to keep being pessimistic here because, I mean, this was a 5-1 win uh, because the pitching is so good. But you worried about Yelich at all? He kind of, to me, looked like he was laboring running down the line there. That's just what he looks like when he runs. Okay. <laughs> I'm telling you. Um, um, but so I'm not worried about Yelich. Right. Um, I do I do think this is what I, I see. I see that the bat speed isn't quite back yet. He shows flashes of it. Um, easy, easy to scout, easy to like kind of be like, oh, you know, there's good bat speed when you see him barrel off a ball and it's a homer. Like, oh, okay. Um, I think it has something to do with his timing, to be honest, Jake. Um, I think when his timing's right, you see very, very loose bat speed from him. When he's late, when anybody's late, you're going to see them be beat by the baseball. Their brain's going to say, this ball's on you. You better start your swing now. And then when that happens, you're just out of sequence. I don't, I try to play golf every once in a while and I'm terrible at it. But like, I know when I take, like when you're out of sequence, your swing actually slows down. When you act, when you're in sequence, I'm talking baseball and golf right now, when you're in sequence and even pitching, like it's all kind of related to biomechanics, all this stuff. It's like when you're in sequence, you're on the ground and you're allowing your lower half to kind of lead everything. Your back, it, it feels like you're not even swinging and your bat or your club or your arm kind of whips through um, and talking about those three motions. Um, so I do, hopefully that's all it is. And it's not like a bat lingering back thing or something, um, you know, where, you know, it, you know, there's something physically wrong with him. I think, I think it's a timing thing where when you see him time it up when he's early with that little ninja kick that he's got, he's on the ground. And you see that really good whippy bat speed that he's got. That's that's it for me. Now, I think that's all it is. So no, I'm not worried. Um, he hasn't played really. He hasn't been right for how long now? You know what I mean? He had the knee injury. Let people forget about that. He had knee surgery at the end of 2019. Um, and then last year there was no fans, and he kind of felt like a fish out of water. He said the entire season, and so now this year is just started off kind of hot got hurt so it's like just stuff has just been uh, just one thing right after another for him in terms of like trying to get back on track so more at bats more time you know more ability to try and get that timing back and we'll see the Christian Yelich of old I think it can be a good sign for Brewers fans because the Brewers are 34 and 26 and their best hitter hasn't really gone on a hot streak yet and you know, I, I agree with you. I'm not really worried about Yelich. I, I know he'll get hot at some point and can just carry this offense. Um, so yeah. I, I guess you want to be uh, optimistic there. Again, the Brewers are, are playing well, and their best hitter hasn't even gotten going yet this season. So, uh, yeah. again, I think he will at some point. Uh, we'll take another break, and then we're going to come back and talk about Aaron Ashby and Keston Hira. Uh, a couple of interesting uh, news items there. Before we do that, let me tell you about locker room. As I told you at the top, this episode is brought to you by Locker Room, and Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. 
Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the Milwaukee Brewers or whatever your favorite team is. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. You'll have a chance to chat with me and might even have a chance to be featured on the Lockdown Brewers podcast through our Locker Room conversations. Go download the free Locker Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group of your choice for the latest league updates. Follow me at shortstopball to be notified when my room goes live. This episode is also brought to you by Lucy.co. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Researched and developed for three years to be made for people, not patients, Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that can, comes from in three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. It's so simple and you don't have to leave your house because Lucy has delivery down pat. Locked on MLB Network listeners, go to lucy.co and use promo code LOCKEDONMLB to get 20% off all products on your first order, including gum and lozenges. However, I must warn you, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco and nicotine is an addictive chemical. So Vinny, I'm, I'm really going to pat ourselves on the back here. So get ready for it because a couple of news items came out on Tuesday that we pretty much called on this podcast uh, for a while now. The first one I'm going to talk about is Keston Hura. And uh, they're asking Craig Council, you know, about the things he's going to be working on when he gets sentenced down. And they mentioned this the big leg kick and the struggles with the timing there. And Council said how it may require a little bit more maintenance than the next guy. Uh, if you listen to our podcast at all, you know we've been talking about that leg kick for a while now and just how difficult it is for the timing there to get that right. You know, I, I've mentioned several times Justin Turner's really the only one I know with that big of a leg kick that seems to has, have figured it out. Uh, it's just a really hard mechanic to duplicate, especially at the major league level where, you know, speeds are, are up and down. You got guys throwing, you know, 90 mile per hour fastballs and, and 90 mile per hour changeups and uh, 92 mile per hour sliders. I mean, uh, it's really difficult to get the timing right there, but uh, your thoughts on that from council, they're talking about that leg kick from Keston. I know we've broken it down several times now. Yeah. And and additionally, there's a, a toe tap in there as well. So he toe taps back, it's almost like a double toe tap, where it's like a, a little bit of a skip, then uh, then like another tap. It's weird. It's like a, a lot going on there. And then into the big leg. It's not even a leg kick. It's like a complete um, flamingo move. That's a drill you do with kids. I do with kids that I teach baseball too in the offseason I have them stand like a flamingo and then fall forward and so anyway the, the point is it's a big move it's a complicated move you know that you saw Joey Gallo in 2019 I bring him up a lot and I kind of compare these guys which is kind of counterintuitive when you, you stand these guys next to each other one's 5'10 one's 6'5 specimen um <laughs> which is also a testament to how talented Keston is and how high his ceiling is with the bat but um, cause he, he can do some pretty special things like Gallo does with a bat. But anyway, um, Gallo minimized his leg kick and he got more centered. Um, and he did some, some, he made some mechanical adjustments and I know he's not having a great year this year, but he did in 19 and he made some minor mechanical adjustments. And one of them was with his leg kick. So just simplified the move 
and allowed him to focus on the baseball, essentially. Like, I know that sounds obvious, but you can get into the weeds on your own at the box, in the box, and it can snowball on you quick and you start thinking about everything but the baseball coming at you. And I think that might be what is going on with Keston. So I'm good with that. Simplify the move, get him to compete against the ball, against the pitcher, see the ball, hit the ball type of an approach. Just make everything simpler. I, I do. I'm on board with that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, again, it's something that, you know, I've noticed for a while now with him and especially with the weird, you know, year that we had in 2020, I, I think he just never really got that timing down. And I think it's kind of bled over into 2020 as 2021 as well. So yeah, try to simplify things, go back down to AAA, give him the ample amount of time like we talked about on yesterday's podcast uh, to figure that out and work on that stuff mechanically wise, and then bring him back up. The other thing here is, if you listen to the podcast two weeks ago, Vinny Rotino reporting first, Aaron Ashby making the move to the bullpen uh, in AAA in preparation for his call-up to the big leagues. Uh, Vinny, you're all over this one. Man, I mean, that, that was a hot take. Lukewarm take? Yeah. Something. Yeah. Something, <laughs> Something like that. Um, I've, I've loved this guy from the day that I saw him pitch in Helena in 2018. Um after he got drafted, ultra talented kid, got the pedigree, Andy Ashby's nephew, got four plus pitches um, with deception, with touch and feel and instincts to get out. So, man, I, I, I'm excited for this kid to get his call up. Um, and uh, he's certainly he's going to step right in and help get outs in the middle. Um, and, and he's not. So here's the other thing. He He'll come right up, and um, he's got he's got the it factor, right? He's not going to be scared by that third deck. He's going to come in and just start mowing dudes down. That's my other. That's that's a hot take right there. So, um, multi inning reliever. I don't I don't know what you're going to do, obviously, but um, you know, a couple innings in the middle of the game is, is has been kind of key. There's some key spots that the Brewers haven't been able to get out real efficiently at times in the last couple of weeks ever since fire eyes and, and Rasmussen have been traded. So I look to him to step right in and kind of fill that role. Yeah. And they did talk about using him as a multi inning reliever, kind of like what they've done with Josh Hader, Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns in the past. Um, yeah. They're doing it a little bit sooner than I thought they would when you mentioned it a while back, uh, or I guess we don't know exactly know when he'll be called up, but I mean, if they're, moving him to the bullpen now in AAA to get him ready. I, I got to think it's, you know, within the next month, we'll probably see him make that move up, uh, assuming things go well with his transition to the bullpen, which typically with guys like that stuff just plays up even more in that role. So I think that could be a, a big key addition to the Brewers bullpen uh, coming soon. And you hit it, heard it here first on Locked On Brewers. Uh, we'll take another break and then we'll come back and quickly preview Wednesday's game. Before we do that, let me tell you about Built Bar. If you're looking for a fantastic tasting protein bar, then look no further. Built Bar has a ton of flavors and a wide variety of flavors at that. It's not just your chocolate, chocolate chip, fudge, or cookies and cream, which remain some of my favorites as I am very original. But they have a bunch of different flavors from coconut to almond toffee to mint. Obviously, they got the peanut butter fudge and dark chocolate raspberry. Just a, a ton of really interesting flavors, cool flavors that you don't normally get in protein bars. Something that's going to give you a unique taste, something that tastes good. And they're not 
hard as a rock, like a lot of the other protein bars out there. It has a soft middle. It's very easy to chew, easy to get down. They taste good and they're great for you as well. Most of them only have about five net carbs. So whether you like to take them before workout, after workout as a meal replacement in the morning or whether they're a snack for you like they are for me, you can eat them anytime. They're packed with protein. There aren't a lot of carbs involved. So it's a great treat for you to have and they taste amazing. I can't tell you enough how good they are, especially for a protein bar. So go to BuiltBar.com today and try a bunch of different flavors to figure out which ones are your favorites. Go to BuiltBar.com and use our promo code at LOCKEDON15 for 15% off your next order. Just go to BuiltBar.com today and use the promo code at LOCKEDON15. This episode is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. And even with the NFL season over, you got the NBA and NHL playoffs ramping up. You also have Major League Baseball season in full swing every night. But BetOnline.ag does more than that. They also cover awards, TV shows, and reality TV. They have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head on over to BetOnline.ag on your phone or internet browser and sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So many of the Brewers and Reds go back at it again on Wednesday. Again, huge getting that first win in this series. Uh, again, had a little uh, fortune there with Sonny Gray leaving. Certainly hope Sonny Gray is going to be okay. Uh, fun pitcher, like watching him go. Uh, Brett Anderson will be on the hill on Wednesday going against Vladimir Gutierrez. Um, and I'll be honest, Vinny, I don't know a lot about this kid. He's thrown 10 innings this year. Uh, six strikeouts, 270 ERA. So uh, been really good when he's pitched, uh, but obviously not a, a big track record there. And uh, he's gone five innings in each of his last two starts and only allowed uh, seven or five hits in those 10 innings. So uh, been really good for the, the Reds, a really good young pitcher. Uh, maybe the Brewers can work his pitch count, get him out of the game early since he doesn't have a lot of experience going deep into games. Key, key for this one, we talked about this a bunch, is like uh, put some pressure on this kid in the first. And then, uh, you know, once he uh, – and then scoring some runs in the first inning, right? So so if you if you put pressure on him and then let him off the hook, that allows – especially a young kid, allows him to kind of settle in and realize, hey, I get these guys out type of an idea. Um I think that that idea is kind of like magnified with young pitchers, especially. So uh, look, look for the Brewers to kind of jump on them early and uh, hopefully get them out of the game early, especially with the red bullpen kind of tax. That, that would be huge for these last two games in the series here. Yeah, absolutely. Good, good game plan there. Vinny, go ahead and shoot that over to Craig Council and get the job done on Wednesday. Yep. Oh, I know he is. Yeah. Uh, but that'll do it for this episode of Locked On Brewers. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On Brewers. Follow me at Shortstop Ball and Vinny at Vinny Rotino. Also, make sure you subscribe to the Locked On Brewers podcast wherever you get your podcast. And we'll talk to you next time. You are Locked On Brewers. Your daily Milwaukee Brewers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.